conversations, share some knowledge. Yo, welcome to the sesh. Ain't nothing like a good sesh. Hey, come join us at the sesh. It's time for the sesh. A babes and butter self improvement series. The self care tip for today is to keep your promises to yourself when you decide to do better or be better. Three reasons we should keep our promises to ourselves. It helps build our confidence, it affirms that we are trustworthy, and it increases our self-worth. I recently completed a book called The Art of Exceptional Living, and it's written by a guy named Jim Rohn. And in the book, he talks about people who struggle with self-esteem. And he explains that the best way to correct low self-esteem is to keep promises and especially promises to yourself. So if we consistently break promises to ourselves, obviously it will do the opposite, right? It will teach us that we're flaky, that we are not reliable, and it will impact our self-confidence and self-worth greatly. So let's talk about how we keep our promises to ourselves. Three ways to keep your promises to yourself. Start small, be consistent, and take accountability when you don't show up. In the same book I mentioned earlier, Jim Rohn also talks about the apple a day principle. And I'm sure we've all heard the saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And what he's trying to convey is that small changes can cause big impact and so we need to apple a day our way to keeping promises to ourselves. I'm definitely going to put this book in the link tree in our bio on Instagram so definitely check out the book if you would like some more information on how you can improve your skills with keeping promises to yourself and really just you know drastically improve your life overall. I want to end this segment this week by posing a question that we should all be answering. When was the last time I gave myself everything I've been asking other people to give me? Remember, self-care is mental, it's physical, and it's spiritual. Take care of yourself. Glad you're here. Next up, a conversation with Janan Sung at moonlotus.co. Hi, Janan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm so glad we got connected. And I think it's super funny that we got connected through Instagram. <laughs> yeah, right. It's super interesting. Well, um, you know, when you're looking for connection, you find those connections. And I'm glad I connected with you. So... I'm, I want to talk about you being a nutritionist. I want to talk about your wellness program. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories, hearing the tips. So let's start with how you became a nutritionist. Yeah, so it's a pretty personal um, journey. I always drove my weight. Um, having a single mother, she didn't really have time to cook. 
so if you wanted fast food, I never knew how to eat properly. And I always ate emotionally. I made a connection in my 20s. And after graduating college, I didn't like what I was doing. So I was trying to figure out what can I do to not only help myself, but uh, be able to help other people. And then, you know, it just fell into my lap. So I decided to get my master's in nutrition. Okay. And then with that, I know uh, as a nutritionist, you told me before that you do um, holistic nutrition versus like, you know, like Western medicine type of thing, even though um, that's how you learned it in college, I'm sure. So I want to understand how you incorporate being a holistic nutritionist into being a nutritionist overall, if that makes any sense. It does. So pretty much when it comes to nutrition uh, in the Western world, it's like we figure out the calories or the type of food you need to eat and hand you a script, right? Right. But it doesn't really deal with the core of the issues because we have a strong tie with food and a lot of times we use food as a coping mechanism. Right. So learning or knowing that I'm like, you know, we need to switch things up because putting a band-aid on a wound is not going to heal it. Right. So I work with not only what you eat, but the reasons why you eat them to get those core issues so you don't have to deal with the you know, same bullshit of you know, losing weight, gaining weight, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. And what are like some core issues that you've come across? Like for because I'm sure you work with a lot of women from our community. We're both black, by the way, anyone listening. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you've worked with a lot of women from our community. So what is what are the issues that you find that we're facing in our community when it comes to food and our attachment to food? Yeah, I mean, we have a strong attachment to food. I mean, I'm from a Haitian background and Fried food is life. Pork is life. Yes. And I know in the black community, soul food and all that good stuff, right? Yes. Um, and, but we're not taught to like, deal with our emotions, especially women of color. Right. We're always told to like be strong, do it for everybody, like, hold shit down. Right. But then like, how do we actually deal with our emotions? So then we turn to food. We don't do it like consciously. Right. It's more like, okay, let me just grab a little chips or let me eat some chocolate or let me do this to make myself feel better. Right. But it's because we're avoiding the emotions. And a lot of times it could be due to like sexual trauma. It could be due to like abandonment issues. It mm-hmm. could be due to like your mom is not, never saying she loves you. It, there's many issues. Right. So it really depends on each individual's journey. But is really deep rooted within us and a lot of times it's from our childhood from our childhood or our teenage years and i i also think we need to recognize that outside of you know the problems we might have inside um there's also the fact that we celebrate with food we mourn with food we gather with food like there's also that aspect definitely Right. So that's for everybody. Yeah. We'll do this. Yes. Yes. So how do you talk to people about relearning food? Like how do you um, get them to relearn food without it being like this immense pressure? Because I know sometimes 
I've joined programs in the past trying to work on my weight. You know, I was really overweight after having my daughter and I was super depressed because at the time I couldn't find a job. So I ate a lot. I, I didn't work out. I didn't do anything but like mourn the life I felt like I had lost and I gained a ton of weight, right? And when I joined these programs, I struggled because it was like, go to the gym six times a week jump around do this do that um don't eat this don't eat that and when you did you were like um uncomfortable acknowledging that you weren't doing what you said you were going to do because honestly it didn't make sense and you find yourself judging yourself on top of it right plus if you're in a program or working with a personal trainer you're concerned possibly that they may judge you too for not following through so how do you go about helping people relearn food so like you were saying it's not about having people cut things out i deal with doing it more mindfully so steps baby steps and for example like learning how to actually know when we're hungry because a lot of us don't know we just eat because it's 12 o'clock and we think that because it's lunchtime we have to eat right right, right. so it's just there's steps that have to be taken um, to relearn it, but also not judging the food that you eat, not okay. labeling it as good or bad food, mm-hmm. because psych- psychologically speaking, then, oh my god, I can't believe I had that, and then you beat yourself up for just having a piece of cake one time, right? and makes you continue that cycle. Right. And then there's also just forgiving. And accepting like you can't change what you ate so forgiving yourself and telling yourself okay next time I'm gonna do better and it's okay that I did this right so it's just changing your mindset and not being so strict because that's how you develop eating disorders yeah yeah I could see that what, okay so what are some steps that um, you tell people to take like give me like a few steps. Don't give me all your steps because you have a program, right? But yes. but give me some of your give me some of your steps. Give me give me three of them that we can talk about or expound on. Sure. So when you work with me, it's like I don't want you to worry about calories. Mm-hmm. So first of all, let's get that out of your mind. Okay. And the first several weeks, it's not even focusing on the food that you eat. It's more like building new behaviors. Mm-hmm. So it's, for example, eating slowly so you actually enjoy what you're eating. But yeah. So you're able to recognize when you are reaching that capacity limit. Right. Or, and then moving on to like eating to 80% full, meaning once you're eating slowly, you're like, you're not quite full, you're satisfied. So you're like, okay, I can stop here now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like step two. Mm-hmm. And then step three, it's, Oh, step three is basically that's when you, for example, start expounding on, okay, let's look at my plate. Let's see um, portion size. Should I, if I use the palm of my hand, that's like the size for meat. And if I close up my my hand to like make make into a fist, that's like four grains. So just learning about portion sizing. And then after we move on into the food, it's a very gentle approach rather than 
letting me like, okay, we're gonna cut out all these foods and you're gonna lose like 40 pounds in a month. Mm. I don't even worry about that. <laughs> your body's gonna do what your body's gonna do once, right. if you practice right. more and more and more. Right. That's a lot, because I mean, I think when people hear nutritionist, when people hear personal trainer, like, not people, I, I'll say when I hear it, I run. I'm like, I don't want to be restricted. It's a lot. But right. you're more talking about conscious eating more than you're talking about just um, losing this weight and keeping it off. Right. right. Exactly. Okay. So I remember when I did one of your um, conferences, and by the way, it was so very special and it was so well done. I want to commend you on that. And, and I would definitely do one again. So I'm looking forward to you offering another one because I would love to do another. And um, I remember when we were in that meeting, you talked about um, scarcity mindset and how it's like in our DNA. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, so a lot of times we overeat because we think that this is it. Like, I ain't been for a while. And that goes all the way back to the Great Depression. If you are black from enslaved peoples, it goes, comes back in that because everything encoded into our DNA. Um, science has recently proven that. So we are programmed, literally programmed, to believe that if I don't finish my plate or if I don't have all this food, I may miss my next meal. Yeah. So I'm gonna stuff myself yeah protection as partially mindset yeah but the thing is especially here in the united states we got so much food right like too much food right and i know certain people may not be able to afford it i i totally get that but to the people who are able you're mm-hmm. good yeah you're safe yeah like you don't have to finish your plate yeah i know your mama or your grandmama taught you that but we need to stop that yeah stop that thinking because it's really hurting us yeah it's really hurting us yeah i have children and i don't force my kids to finish their plate i force them to eat a certain amount of food because you know you have to teach kids to eat properly they want to eat all the donuts but they don't want to eat the rice and peas you know for example so but i stopped when I first had kids, you know, I lived with my mom. And so I would tell them, you have to finish your plate. I have to finish your plate. But when I got on my own, I was like, I don't even finish my plate. Like, I don't. So I don't want to teach the kids that either because you're right. There's a lot of food around and scarcity mindset affects the way we eat. So for those of us that do have issues connected to food, right? So let's say we have like abandonment issues and and the food is connected to that or, you know, sexual trauma, whatever it may be. How do you recommend when we are not overeating anymore and we're being conscious about what we choose to eat? How do you recommend we um, ground ourselves or keep ourselves away from that anxiety? Because now we don't have the food, right? Because we're being conscious. So what do we do then? So for those who have like certain traumas surrounding food, you need to really understand what triggers you. Like why do you turn to, to food? So one trick is to like get a journal. Yeah. Um, and journaling is very important. It, 
I know everybody's journaling nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it actually works. Yeah. You need to get the, those thoughts out. Yeah. And instead of stuffing them in, you need to release them. You need to ground them into the earth, literally, mm-hmm. in a yeah. more spiritual way. And just release it. And one way to release it is to like journal it out. If you need to go somewhere and scream your head off, that works too. Or right. grab a pillow and scream into that. But it just needs to get released. Or even going to a therapist. Yeah. If you go to therapy, that's a great way to, you know, work on those things. But you need to realize or understand what's the core issue without knowing it or not wanting to accept what it is. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I hear that. I hear that. Now, the last thing I wanted to dive into is your spirituality because, you know, um, everyone's not everyone, but I know I love TikTok. I'm guilty of being a TikToker. I will <laughs> take I don't really Instagram as much, like except for my business. But TikTok is oh, I love TikTok. I just do. And like you said, you know, everyone's journaling and stuff. But I also feel like there's this whole thing about like this new spiritual community, right? And so everyone wants to be spiritual now. And I, I'm not, you know, against anything that anybody's doing as long as it's not harming me and my family or anyone else. Really, I'm good. But um, there's a certain genuine um, connection with spirituality. I think people have to have for it to be real right and so when we first talked you told me that you were like a spiritual nutritionist right that was a big part of what you do and I wanted you to share that I wanted you to talk about that I want to to know like how you deal with being a spiritualist in a especially in the black community where it's mostly frowned upon because we are mostly Christians mm-hmm. yeah so I grew up this way. Um, my mom was a spiritualist herself. I yeah. mean, she loves her Bible. Yeah. She loves her Bible. Right, right. She, that's That's been her life's work, um, connecting to spirit and, like, healing others. So I grew up around all this shit. Right. It's not, but I didn't really embrace it until in my 20s. And I've learned that spirituality is connected to all of us whichever way you choose to practice it whether it's christianity or who's going to be a buddhist or you know whatever mm-hmm. it's part of you mm-hmm. and it's such, a, it's such an important part of us that we tend to ignore mm-hmm. but it's all connected we're all connected and it needs to be you know explored more mm-hmm. but i use it as be honest i hear i hear stuff from like angels ancestors all that good stuff right i'm not ashamed of it and people who will say oh that's demon word well i'm i like thank you for your opinion right <laughs> <I don't really laughs> care right <laughs> um because i know it's genuine yeah there are people in the spiritual community that are just there to you know be pompous and they're narcissists and they just wanted to like fan their own flames um, so it's really important if you are interested to learn or connect more to your spiritual side to find the genuine ones. Um, yeah. So when it comes to my practice, it's more like 
I use the tools that I have mm-hmm. to understand my clients better. Yeah. And I may hear something in my mind's eye, my third eye, or my whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll say it. Yeah. And a lot of times they connect with it and it brings up emotions that they didn't want to deal with. Yeah. I'm like, this is the whole part of the work. You have to deal with it. Yeah. So I just use my tools to help others themselves yeah and your your flow like you you let that flow so if it's not for you keep it pushing but this is what I am and so usually you end up around people that gravitate towards that right exactly okay okay that's cool so listen I want you to tell the people where to find you I want you to tell the people um, how to book with you yes so you can find me on the gram um, <laughs> not the gram. The gram. <laughs> the gram. Okay, find her on the gram. <laughs> yes, I'm a fool. I can joke around, so get used to it. <laughs> um, on Instagram, under moonlotus.co, you can book me on my link tree for a clarity call if you're interested in my program. It opens up January 11th. You can also find me on TikTok. Y'all look brand new, so give me some time <laughs> to get my TikTok game on. Okay. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> y'all, y'all be doing the most. Like, Listen, the most, but I love it. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting hooked slowly for sure. So you can find me on TikTok under moonlotus.co as well. Okay, cool. Listen, I'm so glad that you came on the sesh to talk about being a nutritionist and some things we can do to implement um, better eating habits in our lives. I appreciate you and thank you for coming on the sesh. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sesh. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Babes and Butter and follow us on Spotify at The Sesh colon a Babes and Butter self-improvement series. Special thanks go out to The Square Table LLC for creating the music. You can find them at The Square Table on Instagram. And special thanks go out to Britain Justice, our engineer. I am your host, Sammy Joe.